Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. It is episode 96, and we are with Brandon Bain from Bedhead Marketing. Tips from an expert mattress marketer. But the entire the entire title of the show is this. Maybe you don't want to sell online. Tips from an expert marketer. But we made the title too long, so my producer took executive producer role privilege and shortened it down. I am so happy to have Brandon here. First, let's just make a couple quick announcements. If you haven't read my book, Sell a Million, what are you waiting for? If you need that door to start turning a little bit more, grab this book, 101. Hi, whoever said hello. I can't see your name. It just says Facebook user. But I'm glad you're here, whoever you are. If you haven't bought this, you really do need to buy it. It's 101 ideas on how to market your mattress store or your furniture store more successfully. The best comment I ever got on the book was from my dear friend, Doug Stewart, who said, take mattress, take furniture store out of the book. It's just a great marketing book. So thank you, Doug, for that wonderful comment that's actually in the book. And let me thank my friends at, hey, Lawrence, how are you? God bless you. Thank you for being here, Lawrence. Um, let me thank my friends from the Mattress Industry Network Group for sponsoring the P Primo Show. We are so thankful for your sponsorship. If you are in the mattress industry in any way, shape, or form, we want you in this group. This group is run by retail uh, mattress experts for the whole for the benefit of the entire industry. If you feel like you're out on an island and you want some community, you want to ask somebody a question that somebody that you don't know, that you don't have to be embarrassed about, about not knowing the answer, ask the question in the Mattress Industry Network. 1,700 people strong, maybe more by now. I'm probably underestimating it. Thank you, Steve, for your sponsorship. If you want to learn how to build, how to market, and how to be successful in the mattress industry, join the Mattress Industry Network group. And by the way, that's where I met my my guest, Brandon Bain. Brandon, welcome to the show. I'm so glad hey. you're here, brother. Thanks for having me, Pete. Appreciate it. Yep. It's my absolute pleasure, man. So maybe you don't want to sell online. Tips from an expert <laughs> mattress marketer. Yeah, maybe a little heavy-handed on that or maybe rhetorical. I'm not sure exactly which, but it's definitely a long title, so it checks that. <laughs> so... You know, you've got quite the career. I mean, you started off what a lot of people may not know about you. They, Brandon is a good guy, very sharp dude. Hey. So, who's this? Says Facebook user. Is this the Haney? Hey. Oh, Lawrence, hey. Lawrence, thank you. So, well, do you want to awesome. hear a funny story, Brandon? You know, Lawrence? Yeah, of course. Who doesn't? So, I saw this line called Protect the Bed. All right. Yeah. And I knew that my ex boss at United Sleep Products had it, but I think he didn't have it. And he didn't have it at the time. So I went to the very first, um, the very first uh, ma mattress conference that was held by Furniture Today. It was down in Florida. 
And here I see Lauren. I had done enough research that I knew that that was Lawrence and I knew that was Clive Golden that were walking down the steps. And I said, hi, my name's Pete Primo. I want to be your rep in Ohio. No, it was Tahaney. What's up, Brandon? <laughs> hey, hey, Chris. Hey. Thank you for being here, brother. Um, so he basically said, we, Lauren, uh, Lawrence looks at Clive and he says, do we have a rep in Ohio? And he goes, no, we don't have a rep in Ohio. Pete, do you want to be our rep in Ohio? And I go, yeah, I want to be your rep in Ohio. And I put my hands on my hips the way my mother used to do to me. And I said, I'm serious, Lawrence. He puts his hands on his hips and he's mocking me out. And he goes, I'm serious, Peter. And uh, the rest is history. I have to say, later. that's my experience too. Not like one for one shot of that. But anytime I'm talking to Lawrence, I usually get a couple of shots in the rib. Yeah, I think it's well, my yeah. energy's too high. I'm trying to bring me back down a little bit. Velvet <laughs> Hammer. He's exactly. very love him. Very, love him to death. very talented. The success that he enjoyed in our industry is is no fluke. And, very, and just real very quick on that point, guy. I didn't know Lauren for the longest time, and I made him so much money selling his protective beds. It was incredible. The product performed fantastic, and frankly, like you didn't walk out with a bed without one of those. So you're welcome, buddy. <laughs> so for those that don't know. You actually started on the retail floor, right? I did. I did. Um, my first venture into the mattress category was when I was kind of transitioning to college. I uh, did a little internship program. Um, Ryan Rodenbeck and Holly Hoover were starting the corporate's first ever intern program back in 1998. And from what I understand, it's not the same as it was uh, back then as it is today. Back then, it was more like, um, sort of a competition and they, they trained you like a sales guy. You're on the sales floor, of course. Um, but then they had you delivering beds. Uh, you're looking at the inventory system and learning about poor stocks and going to, um, the manufacturing facilities and, and down and, and seeing the Sealy bed being built. You also had to write a thesis and a dissertation and, um, and it was a competition and I won that and I took home a silver dream. So they shipped me that in college. <laughs> nice. On that for quite a while. Well, you know, once upon a time, uh, getting trained at mattress firm was the equivalent of getting a PhD in selling mattresses. When you did it, it was phenomenal. When you actually, they actually uh, brought you into factories and showed you exactly how mattresses were made. Things have changed dramatically. So let's catch everybody up. Now you own your own marketing company. And you serve both retailers and manufacturers, correct? Yeah, I mean, essentially anyone in the bedding category. Um, so you can be a, a textiles company uh, that specializes in a particular, you know, textile or product for the bedding industry. Or maybe you're a 1099 employee and um, you're looking to partner up. We, we serve a lot of people in the category, but primarily it's manufacturers and retailers. Those are the ones that are sort of looking to, um, you know, get some of the things that we do at Bedhead Marketing. Yep. So listen, you know this because you're part of the community. Um, our our industry's been through boom, boom, and back down. Yep, sure has. And it, it's crazy, and everybody is having a slightly different experience. Um, but I guess there's 
there's a, there's a few different groups. But the one group who thinks business is so bad, they're, they, they're worried that they're going to go out of business. Sure. Then there's the other group that they're muddling along and they're surprised themselves at how well they're doing. They're not setting the world on fire compared to last year's numbers, but you know they're they're meeting 2019 numbers or close, and and then you've got some guys that are just banging right now, and and they're they're just doing phenomenally, and they can't believe it. And I've told every one of them, and there's not that many of them, but I tell them, don't look in the newspaper, don't watch the TV, don't listen to what the other retailers are saying. Whatever yeah. you're doing, keep on doing it, and right. just. Focus on your customers. And so here's my question and, and go with however you want with this. What is your recommendation to our dealers right now? Uh, and, and maybe you take a three bucket approach to it. Um, the three buckets that I just kind of outlined. Um, and, and, you know, what would your recommendation be to them right now in terms of? What should they be doing with their marketing? Yeah, I mean that's you know that's one of the deep questions uh, of the category, and we find that that the answer is often contingent upon what your business is currently experiencing. You mentioned that some people are having pretty successful years, and some people are sort of uh, starting to see some of the contraction of the marketplace occur, where um, the door was swinging and and. It was just, you know, it felt like a hurricane happened and, you know, people need to replace their meds. Well, we understand that, uh, you know, the pandemic sort of shifted some of those travel funds to making the home more comfortable. So we see across multiple categories in the home industry uh, from uh, audio, video and furniture and bedding and pools had incredibly high and banner years for the last couple of years. And, um, and we are under suspicion that, over the next year or two, we might see some contraction because all those people I'm sort of, um, they got their bed and now they're done. Kind of like what you see after a hurricane, a major hurricane, like, you know, hey, it sucks out the market uh, for betting purchases for the next couple of years. Um, but I would say that uh, we have, a, we work with a lot of retailers and work with a lot of manufacturers that are, um, they're not skipping a beat. Um, you know, they might be seeing uh, some stabilization in their business, but the the recommendations we make are highly contingent upon what you're experiencing. If you're looking for more door swings, we would probably look at your uh, advertising and and marketing strategy. Um, if you're looking for um, online conversions, we would probably evaluate uh, your conversion ratio optimization um, KPIs, your key performance indicators on your website. Find out what people are doing. Um, oh, there's our site. <laughs> and uh, if you're um, you know, we'd also uh, look at see what your conversion ratios are in store. And that could be a training thing. That can be a resource thing. There's quite a few things that we can look at, but it all depends on, you know, the doctor doesn't just say, here's what I recommend you do. They first start off by saying, what are the problems? What are the symptoms that you're experiencing before they start creating diagnoses? You know, one of the, uh, one of the interesting things is that for good marketing to work, um, a lot of other things need to work. First of all, your merchandising needs to be on point. Your displays need to be on point. Uh, your training has to be on point. 
Um, and one of the areas that I'm we're going to go deep into next week is training. Um, we as an industry abandoned training. Um, a lot of it was driven by directives of local governments in places saying, "Hey, don't go in." And then you know some of the creative um, reps um, and companies used Zoom training. Um, but basically, we've walked away from training, and we've continued to do it most of this year. It's been difficult to get um, in-store meetings, and there are some really great retailers out there that have actually encouraged um, training, um, but not everybody, not across the board. And to Jerry Epperson's point that he made a, f- a few months ago, you know, we're not spending as much as we were on advertising, and then this it starts to slow down, and and we're asking like, well, how, why is this happening? Well, it wasn't going to be a free lunch forever. It wasn't going to be a gravy right. train forever. At some point, we were going to have to get back to our normal advertising budgets and and our training routines. And so, you know, given the fact that. There is no magic wand with with marketing. What are some of the mistakes that you see retailers make that you can like almost immediately fix? Yeah, I think the number one thing that comes to my mind is we've had two years of categorically massive expansion, right? The doors swing in, business great. Well, there's a principle in marketing called a break-even funnel. Pete, I don't know if you're familiar with this principle, but the idea is I'm going to put a product online and I want to at least just break even, right, with my cogs. Because now what happens is let's say that I spent $5,000 with all my cogs all in landed and I made $5,000 and I broke even. Now what do I have? I have data, I have consumer data, and I have uh, results of all these people that like this type of product that I can market to, I can retarget for years to come, potentially, right? So imagine that you just acquired the biggest database that you've ever had in a two-year period. Why are not why are we not retargeting these people on a regular basis? Right? Why aren't we going back to them and talking about new things that they might have missed or new um, you know, ideas uh for their their guest bedroom or things like that? Because if you draw a quadrant and you have new products and old products, and you have new customers and uh old customers or prospects and customers. The highest level of conversion is current customers, customers that have already bought from you, new products, highest level of conversion. So we need to be taking this data of people that have bought from us and following up. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give them credit. Mattress Mac did it again. She called me up. Brandon, how are you liking your couch from two years ago? Well, I'm sitting on it right now. Thanks for asking. Right. So they don't stand still just because you bought there from the, in the past. They're taking these proactive measures to work their audience. So that's something that you can do in house today while you're waiting for us. That's, that's great advice. Um, that. I just want to unpack this a little bit. So, you know, I, the first time I saw the break even funnel was, uh, Russell Bronson. That's right. Click funnels. Uh, click funnels. And he at the end of it, he said, even if you traded dollars, um, 
you have increased your capital because you've got the intel now. You have people to market to the next time around. And if you do it right, if you do it right, you're going to do, even if you're just breaking even on the product, there's going to be a certain percentage of customers that go for an upsell, right? And then there's going to be another group that go for another upsell. And you know those numbers go down further and further. But when you add them all together, usually you can more than break even. So Mattress Mac is one of the best marketers I've seen out there. I mean, he, you know, loves to kind of get in the thick of things and everybody scratches their head, you know, how's he doing that? Well, it's it's pretty obvious how he's doing it and and, and you know, how how can we learn lessons from him and apply it to our smaller business? You know, a lot of times when my guys are like just at their breaking point, my my smaller retailers, and they don't know what end is up. I ask them, how friendly are your fire departments? Are they going to give you a ticket if you put an on-sale sign on a mattress and stick it outside? Because that's marketing. You know, it's not digital marketing, but it's marketing. And, you know, we all have to... um do the best we can with whatever we have. One of the things, though, that happens, Brandon, that I worry about is I've heard a lot of heads of marketing for different companies, usually, quote, social media experts. And when the little dealer asks them, okay, so how do I do it? Well, just get a website. Well, you know, just get a website doesn't do it, why don't we start with the ABCs of marketing that he or she should have learned um, when they got their marketing degree in college? Well, let's talk about the three things that we all should learn the first day of any marketing class, and that's message, market, and media. And you got to start off with your market. Who do you serve? If you don't know who you serve, Ask the last 10 customers that you waited on, you know, ask them. If you don't know who they are, ask them, ask them how they found out about you. Figure out who your target customer is for your store, because that dictates dictates what kind of message you're going to send to them. And the message in the market actually dictate the media. Medias come and go and they can be different depending on different things. And, and that, that's why it was interesting that you weren't very willing to commit to, you know, uh, any, uh, <laughs> any recommendations based on uh, media without knowing a little bit more or, or message for that without knowing the market. I mean, so. Well, you didn't put a gun to my head either. So, <laughs> well, I don't, I, you know, <laughs> I don't go to my head. I might make a couple suggestions, but yeah, I think in general, like, where are you at? So when we people come to us, man, everyone's in a different place where they're getting started. Some people have incredibly sophisticated automation set up. They got the messaging, the USP, they dialed in their target audience. I mean, and they come to me and saying, Hey, we have a, 
you know, a 92% abandoned cart rate. We like to get that down to 89, right? That's a different service than someone that's like, my website gets zero sales, right? I can't get anybody, you know, coming to my door based on any promotions I'm doing. Like, you know, there, those are different starting places. So, um, you know, he who is good with the hammer tends to treat everything as a nail, right? So there's a lot of companies out there. They're great with SEO or they're great with social media marketing. And guess what they're going to sell you? SEO and social media marketing, right? But that not, might not be the right tool from where you are and what you need and your budget and your timelines and your competition. There's so many things that go into this kind of factor into this uh, um, sort of algorithm that will spit out, hey, this is the best strategy for you. We always like to take the low-hanging fruit first, roll those successes over into larger campaigns that have more moderate and long-term uh, results. So the first things first is what's the easiest, best, most accessible way I can start driving business today, even if it's small, and we can roll those successes into the next thing. So what do we know about online buyers? Yeah. <laughs> in the marketing, in the mattress category uh, specifically? Yeah. Or, what do okay, we know? Yeah. I mean, we know quite a bit. Um, and And some of it's good, some of it's... You know, we know they abandoned carts. Yep, the abandoned cart rates are high. Um, so we're talking plus ninety percent is common for most retailers. So what would that tell you? It would tell me that you know, hey, I I liked everything about it, but there's just something that's stopping me, and I'm not sure sure what it is. Most people, it's like I want to feel the bed, the traditional. Like before I commit to this two thousand dollar, fifteen hundred dollar purchase, and I get rid of my bed. And then have to figure out how to get this one back if I don't like it. Why not just run down the store to the store and try it out? You know. So we we suspect that that's most people's primary driver for abandoning their cart. Um, we do know that. We also know that they shop more, right? They're more price sensitive. We know that it's harder to go from store to store physically than it is to go from website to website or to pull up a uh, a marketplace like Amazon and and shop multiple vendors, you know, on a single uh, page. So we know that they're they're shopping, so they're price sensitive. We know that they their average ticket is much lower. Um, we're talking about some thousand dollar tickets, generally speaking. Um, where uh, in store, we're talking on average fifteen hundred is pretty common. Um, could be higher or lower, just depending on your kind of product line and sure. um, and kind of territory and things like that. Um, we also know that those battleground price points that we're selling online, um, you know, they're, they're really trying to squeeze on the margin. There's not as much margin on those products. Um, they're not attaching products. They're not attaching as many adjustable bases and protectors and pillows and all that. They came here to find a deal and there's no sales guy kind of like saying, Hey, you should really do this. Right. Um, and, and we know that they also are, um, more likely to be unsatisfied with their choice because they didn't have someone holding their hand and diagnosing them and trying to get them into the right mattress. Their motivations might be, um, you know, swayed from price versus uh, the right product. And we also know that those people, um, you know, they, they might have been shopping on an experience that didn't make it easy for them to understand what kind of mattress they were getting into. So there's a lot of things that we know about the online shopper. They don't repeat and refer as much, right? If they bought a bed from Mattress ABC today, you know, if they're got to buy one next month, they might not remember that name at all. And they might just, I've been, I need a new mattress, right? So who's going to come up today? 
So the loyalty is not quite uh, there, the brand loyalty. There's a lot of things that are pretty consistent about the online mattress buyer. We know that they don't like to shop for mattresses on their phone, right? Anything over $1,000, they like to go to their desktop. Um, so yeah, with all this information, what would that lead you to believe that maybe um, <laughs> there's something that we can sort of do to kind of reorganize our thoughts around how we should build a website? Maybe we don't build a website to try to convert these people, but maybe get them into the right products educate them more, maybe even get them into the store. Brandon, to your, the best of your knowledge, has anybody um, interviewed these customers in a, uh, in a scientific way and ask them what their holdup is and what they're looking for? I think that um, we could probably give uh, Mr. Kinsley a call and find out what nationwide marketing group is found. <laughs> um, I, I haven't seen any large-scale surveys there um, personally, but I do believe um, you know what we're extrapolating is just the data, right? We're just saying here's what people sell at, here are here's the average ticket size, here's the average checkout ratio, here's the average cost per click on these beds. Um, so what we're doing is we're sort of creating inferences from data, you know, correlating this data. We're not necessarily going out and doing large-scale surveys because we know that it's true that these surveys are important, but what people tell you doesn't necessarily always translate into what they actually do. Um, what they believe they will do is different than when they're actually having to vote with their dollar and pull their money out and actually make a decision. So I feel like the data is actually more compelling than a poll might be. Yeah, for sure. So if you're dealing with a smaller mom and pop store and they know they've got to do something and they're really not doing anything digitally, what would your recommendation be to them? Say that they're starting at ground zero or maybe they have a basic website or a website, something like that. Yeah. They're doing their own homegrown social media. Um, yeah. They sell uh, a couple standard brands and then some high velocity products that maybe have some decent margins and things like that. Okay. Um, my first, the first thing I want to do is I want to find out, I want to define what our unique value proposition is. This is something that a lot of people just fail to do is like, what makes us great? Like, why do people want to come here and buy from us? What makes us different than the big box stores or, um, going into, um, you know, uh, a wholesaler or, um, you know, maybe by appointment or whatever it is. Like, why would you want to buy here? And then how does that relate to the people that are demographic, right? And are those connected, right? So, um, if you're really great, imagine that you're great at creating value and you're romancing beds really well. You're, you're telling the story really well, but you're like 95% selling uh, value center products. Well, you're like, you, you got to like align what, what, what are you doing here? Right. It's like, we're trying to create volume with a uh, value center product. So you really need to decide what that USP is. And then you decide how to attack the market. Um, once you know what that USP is. So for example, we have a client and for all intents and purposes, they're brilliant, like mattress salespeople. And our job is to help them get the door to swing so that they can use that brilliance. Right. The job isn't to try to sell them something online in a red ocean and compete on margin. The job is to try to get people to set appointments and get in store. And then those people are going to spend more money 
and they're going to, um, they're going to get me happier and refer people and come back, yada, 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 right? Return less. So if it's mom and pop and I say, you have a talent, you know, your bed's better than other people and you know, your competition's beds, right? Um, I would say do something, uh, start off by homegrown your own social media campaigns, start off by, um, very basic advertising campaigns. Not, we're not talking about big electronic campaigns, but local. Um, highly targeted campaigns. And you might say, Hey, our, our normal buyer is between, you know, 32 and, you know, 55, whatever that is. You're targeting those people on like Facebook campaigns. You are spreading this message on why people are buying from you and not other people. You're giving them a challenge. You're come and take the, the mom pop challenge, see what you enjoy buying from more, whatever. You're creating an event and you're starting off by creating very small, digestible, easy to monitor and manage campaigns. You don't want to be doing 50 things at once because then it's hard sometimes to, to tell the success um, and tie the success from one thing to another. So you kind of strategically uh, start off with small campaigns. Um, and then ultimately, you're going to need to invest in um, the entire uh, strategy. You're going to need to invest in creating a website that performs to your goals, you're going to be needing to create automations on emails, um, retargeting and following up, up with people that are clients. Um, you're going to need to invest in, um, social media platforms where you can actually scale the social media. So you're not hosting something 50 times a day, but it actually automates across multiple platforms, um, multiple times a day to kind of get that message out. Um, so there's things over time that you can achieve, but in the very beginning, start small. Um, don't even worry about doing a huge budget. Say, what are we very, very comfortable with? Like if we literally took it to Vegas and, and played the roulette table, we'd be okay with, right? Let's start off with a small budget and then let's test it. And what are, and put in some mechanisms that we can test. Anyone that clicks on this, that uses this discount code, like we want to see at the end of the month, what was our return on investment? Um, so I would start off that way. That's awesome. Which led me right into our chapter. Anybody at home who's got the book? Chapter 13, page 24. It's very early in the book. I'll read this and then I'll get some more thoughts from you. Create a unique value proposition. A person who has never done business with you walks up and asks, why should I choose your business versus any other competitive option available to me, including doing nothing at all? Does this question leave you tongue-tied? Or can you quickly and persuasively give an answer? If you can't, you are probably in trouble, or you soon will be. Your response indicates whether or not you have performed one of the most fundamental and important steps in market in your business, the development of a unique value proposition, or UVP. In today's market, it's critical that you differentiate yourself from your competition. An effective UVP is short, memorable, and meaningful. Your UVP is about commitments and promises. It should reflect your passion and energy for serving your customers. Ask yourself, what is your, what is our company committed to providing to our customers or clients that nobody else can? Your UVP is not about your financial goals or your product service features. Your UVP is about meeting your customers or clients' needs, and it should be the focal point around which all of your marketing messages are built. 
Coming up with a clear and unique UVP doesn't cost you money. It's painful, though, I will tell you that. But it does require careful thought and consideration. You may start this process by writing out on paper what great and unique experiences that you can provide that other competitors are not. After that step is complete, start by asking yourself, is this doable? Are the steps necessary to deliver this ideal service practical? It might be challenging to live up to this new ideal consumer experience, but it can pay huge dividends. This might sound crazy, but it should not be easy to deliver. It should be difficult. If it's not, your competitors will copy you if they can figure it out. Here's the most important question after the UVP is established. Can we consistently deliver this? If yes, then do everything in your power to deliver it. Remember, automation is your friend. The more of it, the more of it that can be automated, the better. Here is mine. I'm a wholesale rep, so mine and yours will be different. Get creative and have fun with your UVP. We do the right thing all the time, even when it costs us money. Everyone says it. We live it. Ask me how. So that's my UVP. What say you? I know you kind of <laughs> opened this whole thing up, and uh, it sounds like me and you are on the same wavelength. I so think I stole a couple pages from your book, man. Sorry, I didn't mean to give away the uh, milk <laughs> on the deal, but that's a hundred percent right, literally. Um, so yeah, I think uh, the value proposition. A lot of people call it your elevator speech, right? You're in a you're in a building, uh, traveling down the uh, elevator with, I don't know, Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Golden Nugget. And uh, you want to, you know, you have the opportunity to sell them some beds. Why should you buy yours, right? You've got 15, 30 seconds. Tell them. Um, but frankly, if, if it's really hard for you to do that, um, it's not because you don't want to. It might be because you really want to serve too large of an audience and you want to do all things to all people. And I have personal experience from this. So we have... Uh, six years, I, I owned an, a, a marketing agency called Because Marketing. And the agency uh, still exists today and we still do very well, but the agency is designed to be all things to all people. We work with oil and gas and all these other companies, real estate and brokerages and engineering and real estate. Just, it's all over the place, right? And being all things to all people's fine, but it doesn't necessarily like... It, people don't come to you and say, hey, I have this unique problem and you're the only guy that can fix it. Right. If you're a general marketing agency or a general mattress organization, you're trying to be all things to all people, then they just come to you, you know, as another option. And that option might be a commoditized option. There might be a guy next down the uh, street next door that can do the same sort of things. And now we're in a award. Do I like you better than him? And I'm willing to pay your price. But if you said we are the only company that does X and we do, we have this proven process and no one else can do it because of Z. And you have this unique thing. They're saying, wow, now I can't even compare apples to oranges because you're the only apple. <laughs> so there is no other apple. I'm willing to pay more for that apple. I like that apple more. Um, so that's what, you know, bedhead marketing is. is not that people pay more. It's just that people are coming to us because of our unique confluence of experience of the bedding category, marketing and graphic design. Um, so this, you know, these three things kind of harmonizing into a single sort of, um, uh, expertise gives us a unique value proposition that helps our clients save money, 
save time. They don't have to teach people the marketing and mattress industry or mattress marketing industry. Um, they don't have to spend hours on and explaining what tape edges and gussets and, you know, um, kicking is. <laughs> we sort of know all of that stuff. And, um, and we just make the, the process much easier. So, um, yeah, I think that having the USP is the first thing that I see as a failure point for most businesses because everyone wants to do all things to all people, but just know that that's kind of like the red ocean, the battleground area. And that's just much harder to win at. You know, we all start in a red ocean unless we can di differentiate ourselves. And so if you are a smaller store and you own the store and you make your own deliveries, hmm. why don't you talk about it? Why don't you tell the consumer you del I'm going to deliver this to you. I'm going to make this delivery to you later tonight or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. And Mrs. Jones, I'm going to make sure everything's perfect. I'm going to do everything to make sure that this is the best experience you've ever had with anything coming into your home. Pete, you know what I, I would say to that? I think that you would be the last thing I would add to that is and if I meet these expectations, Mrs. Jones, I would humbly ask for your five-star review. Would you be willing to do that? Yep. Only absolutely. if I meet those expectations do we have a deal, right? And yep. then you've already set the expectation. And then they're like, hey, did I meet your expectations? Awesome. Here's the link. <laughs> do you exactly. mind if I take a picture delivering this bed for you? <laughs> I mean, you can get creative. And that's part of it. You know, in uh, marketing... And advertising is true as well. Um, that without attention, you've got nothing. You have to get attention. You have to be different. You have to be creative. You have to kind of stop the thumb from scrolling, right? So in order to do that, like we say, everyone says, I got the best products, pricing, and service. Everyone says that. I consider that a prerequisite for being in the ball game, right? right. Like what makes you the reason why you're the starter, not on the bench? So you have to have that USB. I think Pete, you nailed it 100%. Um, if you can get people to start thinking um, really, you know, thoughtfully on on why me? Why would you buy from me and not the guy down the street? Um, I think that's a great place for people to really start their marketing strategies. And, you know, the reality, Brandon, is companies that don't get five-star online reviews on a regular systematic basis and, and have it as part of their company culture and that means you incentivize your employees to get them. Um, and that means you incentivize your customers to get them. That means you set up agreements ahead of time, like Brandon suggested, to get them. Five-star online reviews, testimonials, and referrals are the three things that are the lifeblood of your business today. And without those things, you're out of business. And one of the things that we've all learned, and and please, if I'm speaking out of line, you coach me up. You're more of an expert on marketing than I'll ever be, Brandon. I Highly doubt that. For you. I'm, no, I'm just a student. So we know from experience that if we model five-star online reviews in our marketing, in all of our advertising, that we're more likely to get customers to repeat that behavior. We know for a fact that if we have a referred customer, that they buy more. 
They buy better quality. The average ticket is better. The profitability is better. And do you know what else? Here's the best part of it all. Better than all those other things that I mentioned. They will refer because they know that part of the deal is I refer. I was a referral and now I refer. I'm expected part of the part of the agreement of us doing business is I refer. I remember so I remember asking these, I remember how, how do you get people to refer their bed, right? That's a kind of a, like an interesting question. And we want them to refer. And those people are probably likely to refer. If you buy it online, probably not. But if you buy it from you, like you got to go see Pete, right? Anytime they have a, they're at a party and they have a, a cocktail party and they're talking about mm-hmm. what have you been doing lately? You got this new bed and you got to go meet my man Pete. That happens organically. But um, frankly, like we don't even think about how to make it easy for people to refer. And that should be part of your marketing strategy, right? Do you have three people that would want to see this review that I can send this through your friends that I can send this to just so you can, I can share like your experience? Or do you want to send this to three people? It's okay to ask. Generally, people want to help you out. They realize that you're maybe a smaller business or you really thrive off referrals. Like that's how your business has grown. There's no reason why you couldn't say, can I share this review with others? Can I add this to my website? Do you mind if I put this in an advertising? Whatever. You're going to lever that, that review. People are 85% more willing to believe a stranger's online review than a personal friend's recommendation. Now that's crazy, right? Now I don't, I would have never thought about that, but people are believing reviews online, sight unseen from people they've never met, then a, a, a referral from a personal friend. So that's got to keep that in mind. Those online reviews, they're, they're powerful. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of discussion among owner, owners now that all customers don't believe online reviews. That's simply not true. You wishing for something to be different than the way it really is doesn't make it true. Okay? You want that to be true. It's not true. There are phony reviews. There are phony review sites. I get it. Mm-hmm. There are five-star online reviews person never bought anything and it's complete BS. You and I as business people who are relatively sophisticated know that. Do not believe that because one out of the last 20 customers was on to that, that they all believe that because they don't. Brandon just spoke the truth to you. They believe it. So you may wish it not to be true, but it's true. So as a smaller dealer, and even if you're the biggest dealer in the world, you can't afford not to go after five-star online reviews, not to get testimonials, and not to get referrals. You just It has to be part of your DNA. And listen, this is, this is really important. This is the most important part of it. It's not enough for you as the business owner to say, this is what we're doing. You have to break it down into language that everybody understands. And when I say everybody, I mean your receptionist that answers the phone. He or she needs to be clued in on who who we are, what our goals are, what we're trying to do. The delivery drivers, that's the last touch. That's the Mm. last touch. 
Why aren't your delivery drivers helping you? Call Jeff Janakovo at Gardner's Mattress and more. He'll tell you. They have a little packet. They have a script. And they will wait for the customer to fill it out right there or the customer can mail it in. In case you're wondering, it's a lot better for them to wait. And the success rate is much higher if they will patiently wait and let that customer write out that testimonial than uh, dependent on them to mail it in. But in case they're in a hurry, or they're not there, somebody else just kind of let them in. There is a an envelope that's pre-addressed back to Gardeners. It has a stamp on it already. So it's going to cost you a little bit of postage, but you need to have a game plan to get your five-star online reviews, testimonials, and referrals. And you everybody in the company needs to be on the same page. They need to understand this is something that we do. It's important to us. It's important for us to be successful as a company. It's important for us to do the things that we do in the community. And with that, it just like went bing, bing, bing off in my head. You know, you've seen a lot of promotions in your time, Brandon. You've seen the worst promotions in the world and you've seen some of the best promotions in the world. And one of the things that I tend to beat my listeners with is be part of the community. Get behind the local um, Little League, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. The schools, get become part of the community. And don't become part of the community just because, just so that you can get more sales. Become part of the community and give back to your community because you're really truly in your heart thankful for what they've done. And when that's true and they can see that you love them, they're going to love you back with more business. Sorry, I went on a rant, brother. No, I mean, I, I love it. I, I could listen to that all day, man. I'm hyped up. Yeah, I'm heard the saying that no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I think that's all kind of built into what you're talking about there. This law of reciprocity. Um, my dad told me when I was a kid, the only problem with giving is that you get so much back in return, right? That's the only problem. But that's what happens, right? We we become givers into our community and people, uh, and you ingratiate yourself to the community and you're there for the long haul. You're, you're instilling this idea that I'm going to do the right thing irrespective of its you know, net return my business. I'm going to do the right thing every single time because it's the right thing. And over the long term, that's going to be the best thing for our business, right? You have your business has a soul. Um, and, and I think that that's why I called my, my marketing agency, because marketing, we help companies do cause marketing, but this is what we're talking about, which is do good in the community. Look at talking about Mattress Mac, right? He did a lot of this cause marketing. He did, he brought people in from Hurricane Katrina and Harvey, I believe it was. Uh, displaced uh, refugees. Um, he goes out and feeds the community. He's in crime stoppers. He's doing all these things in the community, which has um, a, a massive ripple effect on their level of trust and this idea that I feel like I owe them at least a shot at business because they're such good stewards and and represent our community. I feel like I owe them the opportunity to earn my business, even if I don't like ultimately transact there. They get a shot. Right. They've earned a shot. 
So yeah. that's what we're trying to do. We're just asking for a shot. Coach, put me in the ball game, right? We need to be on your client's uh, stuff. So I, I couldn't agree with you more about Mattress Mac. And really, all the successful retailers that I know, uh, the Gardeners, uh, Mattress and More in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the mm-hmm. stuff they do for their community, just is it's crazy. I mean, they're constantly involved in their community. Steady Furniture uh, is another one that does, does really well podcast. too. He does a podcast. And he the podcast is aimed at one thing and only one thing helping the businesses in the community thrive and survive. So he pays for the show to be produced. He he pays everything and local businesses just come on and tell their story about their their origin story about their business and then what they do. And he does this not for himself, just for the community. And I have a sneaking suspicion that the community's loving him back for it. Just oh, yeah. my gut feeling. And so I knew this was going to happen. We would eventually get to the end of our talk. But I have one more question that I'm dying mm. to answer, ask you, uh, Brandon. And, and that is, you know, as uh, my producer, Chris Stone, who is the best producer in the world, anybody that needs a podcast, uh, call Chris Stone. He's the man. He really is the man. But I saw Chris flashing up all of these different social media ways to contact you, Brandon. And it looks like you're on every social media known to mankind. So if I'm a little store and I'm in, make it the Midwest for for now. Anybody in the world could be listening to us. What social media would you recommend that a newbie start with? Do they start with all of them at the same time and drive themselves crazy? Or do they just focus on one and then branch out? Coach us up a little bit. Give us a little bit of your expertise on that, Brandon. Sure. Um, yeah, I think that if you're going to carve out some time, that um, you, first off, you need to be utilizing some sort of social media platform that allows you to distribute your posts uh, in a systematic way so you can load up all your posts and calendar them, and then they automatically get posted across all the platforms. Um, social Pilot's a good one. I'd th- I recommend them because I think you can get a, a free version. Um, there's a lot of free versions out there um, of social social media platform distribution platforms, but the problem is like what what you're expecting to see, what the audience is expecting to see on TikTok is different. What they're expecting to see on LinkedIn, which is different from what they're expecting to see on Twitter and Facebook and so on and so forth. So you definitely have to kind of tailor the message to the platform's expectations. Um, Twitter's going to be more news oriented. Um, TikTok's going to be like this real, you know, high fast paced. Um, choppy sort of educational stuff. I mean, you're going on LinkedIn and you might have something that geared more towards professionals and hey, we're selling, um, mattresses. Uh, we have a mattress program for, uh, busy executives or something, right? Take the executive sleep challenge with us or something like that, right? So we're doing something different on LinkedIn. And then Facebook, um, is kind of like the gumbo catch all. Everyone's on there, right? Um, so they all have their own kind of, you know, value. And the question I would say is like, you know, what is your audience? If your audience is going to be a younger generation and we're an online retailer, then maybe you go to Instagram and TikTok and that's your two primary um, daily drivers, if you will. 
Um, if you're going to try to do something that's, you know, you know, more broad general audience than Facebook, you know, there's more users on that platform than any other platform. So you get the biggest sort of audience there. Um, but yeah, I would say that first start off with who are we targeting and then kind of dedicate your attention there. I would rather a company focus on a single or two platforms and be consistent with it and just grow that over time and try to hit all the platforms and not really be able to do them effectively, right? I'd rather you do one thing effectively than 10 things ineffectively. So yeah, my, my goal, my recommendation is to um, pick one that matches what you're trying to do, your audience, and then just hammer that out as, as, as well as you can. And we help people with that all the time. That's the kind of thing that um, even you can call us up and we can just tell you, hey, we would recommend you do an XYZ, right? We're not going to charge you to kind of help you identify the best strategy for you to get started on your own. I mean, we're here to help. So Brandon, describe to me your ideal um, client and how do people get in charge? Uh, how do people get in touch with you? Um, I'm sure that there's been a lot of people that watch this show and they go, you know, I like this Brandon dude. I want to, I want to talk to him. Um, I want to get in touch with him. I want to find out more about what he does. How do people get in touch with you? And who normally does get in, in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, right now, about 80% of our clients are on the product manufacturing side. But we work with retailers. We do work with um, uh, small to medium-sized retailers. We look to very large retailers as a very big company. So um, we kind of, you know, unfortunately, it's hard for me to say, like, what is the exact audience in the betting category? Because anyone that is in the betting category, we're all in the shared experience, and they all have a different need. We do... um, talk to retailers that are small sleep shops that have limited budgets. And what we like to do with those people is give them a quick strategy to kind of bootstrap their own marketing. And once they start achieving some of these goals, then they can roll those additional dollars, those additional revenue dollars into campaigns that we can help them with, right? And then you have companies that um, they need to offload like manufacturers, like, hey, we have a marketing department, but we need some execution. We need people to do all the graphics or we need videos or we need you know, websites built or whatever the thing is. So we sort of serve anyone in the betting community. I don't care if you're a manufacturer or a 1099 rep. We're going to be there to help you. We have services that can uh, help you achieve your your goals. And ultimately, we love just meeting new people. Um, we bu- built this business in February. So <laughs> we're not very old in terms of the total age of the business. We've been working with uh, manufacturers and retailers for several years now. But this business was official in February. So we're looking to just um, sort of meet the community as much as we can and just sort of, um, you know, welcome ourselves um, and help out as any way we can. But in terms of so, contacting me, yeah, the website has all the contact information or just okay. email me directly. So, Brandon. Go, go to the website, bedheadmarketing.com and there's a contact form. It'll ask you, are you a manufacturer or are you a retailer? Answer that question and then follow the uh, yellow brick road. And <laughs> the answer, I guess, to my question is uh, no one is too small to reach out to you. Uh, you will answer anybody that that uh, reaches out to you and all inquiries are welcome. That's what I heard. I mean, Come one, come all. Let's go. Let's let's set up something in a Zoom like this, and we'll we'll get to know each other. And I'm sure professional paths will cross at some point. But 
we're at every uh, we're at every Vegas um, marketplace, and we're trying to hit more of these visits. So when we get to meet uh, in person, it's a lot more fun. But yeah, anybody that's in the betting category, let's go. Awesome, Brandon. Um, before we sign off, let's just do something really, really quick. What are you thankful for, my friend? It's Thanksgiving, and this is our Thanksgiving Day edition. Uh, even though we're two days away, two days, three days, three days away from Thanksgiving, what are you thankful for? Well, I mean, I'm obviously thankful for my family. Uh, I'm thankful for all of the failures that led me to start a marketing agency. <laughs> if if you've ever wondered, you know, well, that failure didn't end up like I thought. Thank God that a business that I was working with went out of business. Then it forced me to start a marketing agency. Then it led me to what I do today, which is have a passion for helping other businesses achieve incredible financial results in their business. So um, yeah, it's something that's a little bit different from most, but I'm thankful for those failures. That's awesome. I am thankful for my family as well. And I am thankful for all the retailers that support my family. And I am thankful to be in an industry where we really care about each other. Um, Amen. One of the remarkable things about this business is that there is uh, more than a preponderance of really good people and people that will help you, people who will reach out to you. And uh, I've been blessed to be part of this business for 40 years. Um, anybody that has marketing questions, reach out to Brandon. Um, he wants to help. And you heard what he said. He has a passion for this business. Go to bedheadmarketing.com. Do it now and tell him Pete sent you. Thank you for being on the show and happy Thanksgiving. Oh, my pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Pete. And um, I appreciate it. Anytime you need to talk, let's go. Call me up. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good day. Bye. 